island of Sumatra, Southeast Asia. The screams had finally ceased. Twelve bonfires blazed out in the midnight harbor. Il Dio li perdona. His father whispered at his side, but Marco knew the Lord would not forgive them this sin. A handful of men waited beside the two beached longboats, the only witnesses to the funeral pyres out upon the dark lagoon. As the moon had risen, all twelve ships, mighty wooden galleys, had been set to torch with all hands still aboard, both the dead and those cursed few who still lived. The ship's masts pointed fiery fingers of accusation toward the heavens. Flakes of burning ash rained down upon the beach and those few who bore witness. The night reeked of burned flesh. Twelve ships, his uncle Maceo mumbled, clutching the silver crucifix in one fist. This same number as the Lord's apostles. At least the screams of the tortured had ended. Only the crackle and low roar of the flames reached the sandy shore now. Marco wanted to turn from the sight. Others were not as stout of heart and knelt on the sand, backs to the water, faces as pale as bone. All were stripped naked. Each had searched his neighbor for any sign of the mark. Even the great Khan's princess, who stood behind a screen of sailcloth for modesty, wore only her jeweled headpiece. Marco noted her lithe form through the cloth, lit from behind by the fires. Her maids, naked themselves, had searched their mistress. Her name was Kokajin, the Blue Princess, a maiden of seventeen, the same age as Marco had been when he started the journey from Venice. The polos had been assigned by the great Khan to safely deliver her to her betrothed, the Khan of Persia, the grandson of Kublai Khan's brother. That had been in another lifetime. Had it been only four months since the first of the galley crew had become sick, showing welts on groin and beneath the arm? The illness spread like burning oil, unmanning the galleys of able men and stranding them here on this island of cannibals and strange beasts. Even now, drums sounded in the dark jungle but the savages knew better than to approach the encampment, like the wolf shunning diseased sheep, smelling the rot and corruption. The only signs of their encroachment were the skulls, twined through the eye sockets with vines and hung from tree branches, warding against deeper trespass or foraging. The sickness had kept the savages at bay. But no longer... With the cruel fire, the disease was at last vanquished, leaving only this small handful of survivors, those clear of the red welts. Seven nights ago, the remaining sick had been taken in chains to the moored boats, left with water and food. The others remained on shore, weary of any sign among them of fresh affliction. All the while, those banished to the ships called out across the waters, pleading, crying, praying, cursing, and screaming. But the worst was the occasional laughter, bright with madness. Better to have slit their throats with a kind and swift blade, but all feared touching the blood of the sick. 
so they had been sent to the boats, imprisoned with the dead already there. Then, as the sun sank this night, a strange glow appeared in the water, pooled around the keels of two of the boats, spreading like spilled milk upon the still black waters. They had seen the glow before, in the pools and canals beneath the stone towers of the cursed city they had fled. The disease sought to escape its wooden prison. It had left them no choice. The boats, all the galleys except for the one preserved for their departure, had been torched. Marco's uncle, Maceo, moved among the remaining men. He waved for them to again cloak their nakedness, but simple cloth and woven wool could not mask their deeper shame. What we did, Marco said, we must...